Hey, would you turn to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're going to jump into a message on, ho- on joy, and uh, I, um, I just want to, uh, man, I just want to say thank you for what you did last week with Vision Builders, and if you haven't been able to be a part of that, jump in on it. Um, I'm excited about what God's going to do as we do that. Luke chapter 2. If you haven't been with us, we've been in this series on Advent, a series on Advent, and we've been talking through uh, what Advent is, but really some key themes of Advent. Advent is just a, a, a fancy word for uh, someone showing up. And so when you talk about Advent, what you're talking about is celebrating that Jesus showed up already and anticipating that he will show up again. And in many ways, what you're reminding yourself of during Advent is that you live in the middle of God starting something, and that soon and very soon He will finish something, and that He is in our lives today. And I've been talking about this. We started with hope, and we talked about hope being not wishful thinking, but confident expectation, and that we have a confident expectation uh, grounded in heaven. Uh, That's what Hebrews tells us. And and, and so we've been talking about this Advent being a season where we expect God where we expect God, and that in every situation, in every circumstance, in every relationship, in every moment, in every kind of place we end up, we expect God, how our lives would change if we would expect God in every moment, in every step, in every day, we would expect God to show up in some way, somehow, and, and as we celebrate Advent, as we talk through this, we've talked through this word hope, confident expectation, we talked through this word peace last week, which, which was talking about uh, everything as it should be. This word shalom, completeness, wholeness, that everything is as it should be. So when you pray peace over someone, you're praying that everything would be as it should be. And uh, in fact, I I officiated this funeral this past Wednesday night, and the three verses I was given was one, take courage, uh, which is if you know anything about our church and about us, uh, that's a verse that comes up often, or that phrase comes up often. The other was on hope, and the other one was on peace. And I just think it's awesome to think that God takes care of us in such a way that he orchestrates these, this, this moment where we've been talking about hope and peace. And here I am in front of people who are mourning the loss of a, a friend, and I'm talking about hope and peace. And, and I just think God cares about us that much. Yeah. Amen? And today we're going to talk about a word, joy. Everybody say joy. And I think, again, all these words have a, a depth to them that we tend not to attribute to them. We tend to think of peace as the absence of something, uh, nice peace and quiet, uh, but the reality is that peace is the presence of something. Uh, We think of hope as wishful thinking. We hope it happens, but really hope is meant to be a confident expectation that it will happen. It is a belief, and joy is not just a Pharrell song. It really, truly is that we are in all moments and in all seasons and in all circumstances celebrating. So we're going to talk about joy today, and we're going to use Luke chapter 2. In fact, this is probably the first time that we've really gotten into some of the Christmas story over the last couple weeks. We've mentioned it, but this is really where we start getting into the birth of Jesus. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. So in the same region, it's talking about Joseph and Mary had just had Jesus. They're in a manger. They put him in a manger. They're, they're kind of hanging out with the animals. They're kind of hanging out in a place that is not the ideal place to have a child. And, and the shepherds are out in the field. And in verse 9, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
today a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord who was born for you. The Lord who was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. I love that line. I don't know if the translators of the, this translation just wanted to rhyme and be cool. Uh, but I think the first part of that phrase is nice. That you, you get a baby and you wrap him in a snuggly cloth. Probably has footprints on it. Because, right, isn't that the, like, that's the blanket you get at the hospital. Some other child has already walked on your kid's blanket. And they wrap your kid in it. And there it is. Snuggly and cold. Like, we're good with that. And then we hear, lying in a feeding trough. I just want, this is not really part of the message. I just want to tell you, this is the reason you have to expect God. Because you just never know where he's going to show up. You just never know where he's going to show up in your life. And sometimes we have discounted things and we have pushed things off and we have kind of said this isn't what it is. This isn't going to be God's hand. This isn't going to be God's thing. He's moved me into a new thing, moved me into a new season, moved me into a new position, and I'm not quite ready for it or I'm not sure I like it. And the reality is if we would simply expect God in every situation, we might just find that God is at work in it in a way that we would never have ever imagined or thought. And that he can do above and beyond. That he a- is actually able to do more than we could ever do on our own. And so this expectation that God would be in our life might just lead us to a feeding trough where we find the Savior. And you got to imagine these shepherds. Now the thing about shepherds, you, you do need to know, is that they were not guys that were, were, were respected. They were not guys who were looked up, at, looked up to. They were not guys who were in some way regarded as special. They were actually people who uh, were disdained. They kind of were shunned. Why? Because in a lot of ways, they were never around for all the religious rituals to be clean and to do this and to do that. And so they were kind of just this rough, wild crowd that watched sheep. The sheep were better friends than most people, and they had a job to do. And so they weren't always around. And so this is not a group of people that you would immediately say, that's who God's going to show up to. Isn't that kind of what we do? Right? We, you know, I, I make this joke. Well, I'm not going to make the joke. I don't want to offend anybody, but, um, but we just don't always think this person who's doing this or who's been there or walked through that or is part of that crowd or is, well, God's not going to show up to them until they get over here and they show up over here. And, but sometimes God actually shows up to those we never expected. And maybe it's more often than we would like to think it is. These shepherds are just hanging out, watching their sheep as, as you do when you are a shepherd. In the middle of the night, kind of sounds like Isaiah 9, doesn't it? That those who are in the dark would see a great light. Never thought it'd be literal, right? And all of a sudden, this angel shows up in the middle of a field, and the shepherds are freaking out. Have you ever noticed that that happens a lot when the angel shows up? Like, you ever feel like the angel wishes every once in a while someone would clap when he shows up? You know, like, this is great. Uh, no, they're always scared. And, and, and the reality is, is because when God shows up in your life, sometimes he does scare you a little bit. Like he's asking of you something that you weren't expecting. Or maybe you're a little worried you're going to handle. So the, this angel shows up and he says to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. I get it that things are different now. You've seen an angel in the middle of a field late at night. I get it. Things are different. But don't be afraid. I think God says that to us probably on a daily basis. Please don't be afraid. I know this is different than you thought it would be. I know you didn't think you'd be moving to Hawaii. I get it. This is different. 
I understand. I know that diagnosis was not what you expected. But please, please don't be afraid. Because I bring good tidings of great joy. Now, he says this phrase here, and, and, and I think it's fitting considering he's talking to shepherds. He says this, good tidings of great joy for all people. Again, there goes the qualifiers. Like, there's no qualifier. It is for all people. Originally for the Jew, and then moved on to the Gentile. Like, this was for all people, this great joy for all people. And here's where we get mixed up, because we have a tough time thinking it's for all people, because we confuse the meaning of the word joy. We think joy is happiness, and happiness is only for a few particular people who have made it in their industry, or have made it in relationship, or have made it in their personality, and they're good looking, and I hate them. We think, we think joy is happy, and we think happiness is for only a select few. But the, the angel's being very clear here, and you find this throughout Scripture, that this is a joy for all people. So if it's for all people, it must not be relegated to one thing that could possibly happen in your life somewhere down the line, but it must be something that encompasses so much more. It must be something that has a much greater depth and foundation to it, just like hope and just like peace. There is this great joy, and it's for all people. And I get it. Happiness is easier to measure, isn't it? <laughs> Happiness is easier to measure. We look around the place. We check our Instagrams and our Facebooks and our Twitters and our Snapchats and our Instagram stories, and I don't know what else you could come up with, but I'm sure there's going to be something in the next couple of weeks that we all have to download. But th there's something that you see on someone else's life, in someone else's life, and you begin to think, well, they must be joyful, and you're getting it wrong. Because I'm telling you, I know happiness is easier to measure, but it is not nearly as consistent and steady and there for you as joy. Joy is not conditional based upon what is happening in your life. It's not, it's not based upon what's happening around you. I mean, here's these shepherds hanging out with sheep. They, they talk to the sheep more than they talk to living, real-life human beings. They're looked down upon because they can't do all the religious things that they're supposed to do. And, and here they are with an angel telling them they are the first ones. They got the VIP pass. They got the, 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 the early screening of what's happening. And they've been told that Jesus has shown up, this Messiah, this Savior, who they had been expecting. The first people he shows up to, the shepherds. Hey, you want to get there first? There's a, there's a Messiah, there's a Savior who's born. And I'm telling you about it. And I just thought you need to know, wherever you've been, whatever you dealt with, this is a good news for, for all people. This is a great joy for all people. Maybe some of us need to begin to realize that the times we have those conversations with people and and we're kind of looking at ourselves and going, well, I'm not sure about that person, but I'll talk to that person. Listen, this is a good news of great joy for all people. And I don't know if you've been around somebody with great joy. Have you ever been around somebody with great joy? Don't they just annoy you? Like they are just, it can be frustrating. This good news of great joy. But I don't know. I've been around people with great joy. I would maybe categorize it more sometimes as like oblivious joy. Right? Like do you know what's happening in your life? Like, why are you so happy? Or maybe, I'd, I'd, maybe I'd look at it and go, just, uh, uh, it's a fake joy. Because they've gotten to a point in their life where things are so bad and so difficult. What else is there to do 
but laugh and try to laugh it off. And I think we all find ourselves in those places every once in a while, don't we? Where we're just trying to manufacture this thing. We're just trying to make it look like I'm happy. I'm good. Everything's all right. But that's not the kind of joy we're, t- we're talking about a great joy, like the best kind of joy. And it's based upon one thing. It's based upon one thing. It's based upon the fact that a Savior was born. So this great joy that's not oblivious joy, it's not made-up joy, it's not fake joy. Now, listen, here's the thing we got to understand. Joy and happiness can have the same byproduct. In fact, if you look through the Bible, you would find it's, it's hard to escape this joy that's in the Bible. It really, really is. It is very difficult to somehow say that joy shouldn't be a part of a believer's life if you, if you read the Bible at all. I mean, when you think about the words like celebrate and dance and smile and rejoice, when you begin to think about all the places that this word joy is mentioned, and the byproduct, they can look very similar to the word happy. When you're happy, you dance. When you're happy, you smile. When you're happy, you rejoice. When you're happy, you laugh. When you're happy, you celebrate. When you're happy, so they can look very similar. The difference is that one is based upon how things are going around you, and the other is based upon what has happened to you. That, that, that one is based upon all the circumstances of my life and all the things that might be going well and might not be going well. So we have this kind of a happy roller coaster where things are good one second and not so good the other second, and then it goes okay again. And then we're... Yeah. Joy is meant to be based on an eternal, eternal message of Jesus Christ. So it's not necessarily what's going on around me. It's what Jesus has already done in me. This message of hope and peace, this message of good news, this grace that comes because Jesus showed up. And that's the message of Advent. The message of Advent is though, no matter what happened to you this week, we're heading towards Christmas and we are thankful and we are celebrating because Jesus already came. He was born like us, he died like us, and he rose again like nobody else so that he could tell us, listen, I've lived this world, I've been in this world, but I've overcome this world, death no longer holds you, and I can give to you a joy that is not dependent upon what you are going through, but who's going through it with you. That's the kind of joy. And so it might look like every once in a while that those of us who follow Jesus look like we're having some oblivious joy. It might look like we even have some fake joy. But the reality is, is if we're plugged into who Jesus is, and if the Holy Spirit is at work in us, he's producing fruit in us that looks like love and joy. That he's producing in this, in our life, something that looks like joy and that they can't be taken away regardless of what's going on around us if we would stay connected to this gift that's wrapped up in Jesus this good news of great joy good news of great joy I want to end with first Peter and I I know I'm finishing quick because I don't think I need to hammer this too hard and we've done a, a lot already today if you turn to first Peter it was going to be on the screen. You got it on the screen. First Peter. Thank you, buddy. Now listen to this. This is towards the end of First Peter, and, and this is what's happening. Okay? We, this, here comes this joy part, this whole inexpressible, inexhaustible joy. But I want you to listen to what comes around this joy in First Peter. Okay? Here we go. You love him, though you have not seen him. Now here we go. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. 
joy. Now, here the key to this verse, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. The key to this verse comes next. Let's go to the next verse. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the key to this inexpressible, glorious joy is based upon this, that you are receiving because of His grace and because of our faith mixed together, we are actually receiving the goal, which is the salvation of our souls. So this joy isn't, again, this joy isn't based upon what we're walking through. This joy is based upon the simple fact that our eternity is wrapped up in Him and there is nothing, absolutely nothing on this earth that can take that away. There is nothing that can take away this inexpressible, glorious joy because it is eternal, not temporary. So when you read a verse in Hebrews that says, for the joy set before Him, Jesus endures the cross. Or you read a verse in James that says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you endure trials and tribulation. What? That makes no sense. Why would I ever think it's joyful to go through a trial? Why would I ever think it's a good thing to go through a trial? Why would I ever celebrate and dance and be joyful when I'm walking through some difficult season and some difficult moment? Here's why. Because no moment... No circumstance, no situation, nothing you're walking through, nothing you've dealt with, nothing you will deal with, nothing, nothing, nothing can take away the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. There is absolutely nothing on this earth that can take your eternity and change it. The only thing that has ever had rule over your eternity is Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust in Him, there is no trial and there is no tribulation that can change my eternity. And so my momentary affliction, as Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians, my momentary affliction will not be changed. It will not be changed by what's happening around me. It will not be changed by what's going on near me. It will not be changed because life got a bit difficult. It will not be changed because we got this or we got that or we heard this news. It will not be changed by any of those things because it is all affected by and changed by our eternal view of life. That Jesus has made us righteous. That the sin that so easily entangles us, the weight that so easily gets a hold of us, we can get rid of those things and fix our eyes upon Jesus because his eternity will never, ever be impacted by our temporary life. So whatever you're walking through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you have fought through, whatever you're about to fight through, count it all joy. Why? Because there's nothing, nothing, nothing that you're dealing with right now that changes the fact that Jesus came and he's coming again and he gave everything for you and nothing about what you're walking through can change that. So you can walk with joy. Why? Because the sting of death is no more. Why? Because Jesus died and paid the price for my sin. So even though I'm walking through some sickness, even though I'm walking through some heartache, even though I'm walking through some trials, even though I'm walking through some tribulation, even though I'm walking through a lost job or a lost thing or this isn't right or this isn't, listen, count it all joy. Why? Because none of that, not a single bit of that changed what Jesus has done in you. What Jesus has done in you is eternal. It does not change. It will not leave. And there is nothing, nothing, nothing 
that can take it from you. So here's what I want to tell you. I want you to celebrate. I want you to laugh. I want you to smile. I want you to rejoice. Not because life is going well. Not because things are perfect right now. Not because you got all good news this week. Not because that job came through. Not because that car is working out well for you. Not because the house is really nice and comfortable. Not because the kids are healthy. Not because, look, those are all good things. You should be happy about those things. But if we, we get happy and joyful because of those things, then we would then have to not be happy and not be joyful when those things aren't working. But I'm not into that kind of life. I, I want you to celebrate. I want you to rejoice. Why? Because Jesus' gift of eternal life is still with you. See, when we realize the sin he rescued us from, then we rejoice the life he's given us. When we understand that we were sinners, we were sinners, and the sin that led to death was erased because of Jesus, sacrifice on a cross, and there is nothing that can take that away from me, man, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice because I was a sinner who's now been given life. I was on my way towards death, but now I have eternity. I can have great joy. That's a great joy because I've been rescued from great sin and given a great hope and a great peace and a great joy and a great love. Maybe some of us today, I want worship team to come on up, please. Maybe some of us today are, are walking through. We, listen, it was a tough week for our family, tough week for Meredith and I. And uh, just, you know, you just, sometimes you got those weeks. And I don't think it's an accident that God goes, hey, you should preach on joy this week. Right? And then goes, and I'm going to give you some opportunities to test out what you're preaching. But some of us have walked through some things and dealt with some things and Maybe it's been a year-long thing. Maybe it's been a 10-year thing. Maybe it's been just the last couple weeks, the last few days. And for some of us, our joy has been taken. Not even just our happiness. For some reason, we're able to kind of get happy when we have a nice day or we get happy when we have good stuff. Or we get happy. But our joy, our overwhelming, everlasting, never-stopping joy, I'm not saying you don't have sorrow. I'm saying you still have joy. I'm saying you don't have hurt. I'm saying you still have joy. I'm not saying you don't have heartache. I'm saying you still have joy. Even in the midst of all of those things, joy is no longer gone. It's not disappearing. It's still present. It's still your strength. He still rules and reigns. So let the earth rejoice. And maybe for some of us today, what we need to remember, what we really needed to hear, was that in spite of, in spite of all the things that might have happened, in spite of all the things that could still happen, in spite of all the stuff we're dealing with, the eternal gift of grace in the person of Jesus Christ is still and will always be ours. It is still and will always be present. It is still and will always be our anchor and our rock, this joy that is our strength. Even in the temporary things, our eternal view of life changes how we act, how we walk, how we, how we say things, how we treat each other. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I know that there are 
without question, there are those of us in here today who are searching for the joy. We sit through this whole message and we see other people singing worship and and we're frustrated because we're going, well, they, they got joy. They must be oblivious to what's going on. You know what? That's fake. That's not real. That can't possibly be happening. Lord, you promised us that this is good news of great joy. That the Messiah, the Savior, has shown up and has paid a price for us and given a gift to us that we could not do for ourselves. And this eternal gift is one that shapes and changes and shifts our temporary, momentary lives. And so we don't live as though eternity is out there. We live as though eternity is right here, right now. Because this gift of grace applies right here, right now. Because you already showed up and you're on your way. In the middle of that, we will have a hope and a peace and a joy that goes beyond anything we would understand anything we could manufacture. So for some of us, we're searching for the joy. Lord, I pray that today we would find it, that we would find it in the person of Jesus. We would find it in the gift of grace. We would find it that even though things have been bad, things might get worse, but we can stand upon the rock that is Christ Jesus, that our house will not fall, that our life will continue to move forward because we have a joy that is unspeakable, a joy that is glorious, a joy that is not subject to anything that is happening in my life right now or will happen in my life tomorrow. This joy is with me at all times and in all things, and it is my strength that I will rise up and will not be subject to everything else around me. Lord, I am not just happy. I am not just happy because things are right. I am joyful because in all things, even when they're wrong, Lord, you are with me and you are for me and you have paid a price for me. You bought me. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what? I want that unspeakable, glorious, inexpressible joy. I want that joy that even if someone asked me what it was, I would have a difficult time fully explaining and fully revealing to them what it was because it is that good. It is great joy. It's not oblivious joy. It's not fake joy. It is real joy. I'm not manufacturing it. It is real. And I want that today. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus as he wants me to know him. I want to know the Holy Spirit working in me. I want the Holy Spirit reminding me, telling me, showing me who Jesus is every day of my life. I want to know the great comforter, the great advocate who would speak life into me, produce joy in me, that I would know in all things and through all things. I can count it all joy because none of those things will change what Jesus has done for me and my eternity will shape my present moment if that's the kind of joy you would want this morning maybe you're walking through a diagnosis maybe you're walking through a bad prognosis maybe you're looking through some difficult seasons and you're going I need that joy that eternal joy I've been happy but I need joy if that's you would you just right now would you just raise your hand I want to pray with you thank you thank you Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Say, I want joy in Jesus. Thank you. Come on. 
Lord, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that your joy is inexpressible, glorious. I thank you that it is not limited by anything I'm walking through, by anything I'm dealing with. I pray that I would have a joy that has strength. I would have a joy that has vibrancy. I'd have a joy that does not shrink back from the circumstances I find myself in. But in fact, I would have a joy that rises up in the middle of our circumstances that says, no, this isn't going to take my joy. No, this isn't going to take this eternal gift. No, this isn't going to, to make the grace of God somehow smaller or somehow insignificant. The grace and the goodness of God will always remain at the forefront of my life. It will always remain as the heartbeat of who I am that I will have this joy that is inexpressible, a joy that is glorious, that nothing can contain it and nothing can change it and nothing can shrink it. Lord, I pray that over every life and over every person, those who raise their hand, Lord, I pray that we find in Jesus Christ this joy that changes all things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.